Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. January the 28th, 2024. Note it down. Two all-time great test matches culminated today. West Indies beating Australia at the Gabba. Their first win against Australia anywhere in the last 20 years. England winning from behind in Hyderabad, becoming the first team to win with a 100-run deficit in India ever. I'm Yasrana. I still can't quite comprehend what's happened. And with me to make sense of it all is Ben Gardner. Mark Butcher will be joining us later today. It was a majestic day to seal a totally bonkers win for England. They started it 126 runs ahead, but with only three second innings wickets left. Pope, Rahan Ahmed and Tom Hartley eat England's lead up to 230, more than enough to bowl at. Uh, India may well rue the decision to hold back Boomer for so long, especially with that new ball. The England defence was all about Tom Hartley, the debutant who endured such a tough Opening two days as a test cricketer was totally brilliant, especially given the state of Jack Leach's knee. Hartley ended up with seven wickets. It's the second best figures by an English spinner on debut ever. Uh, the best in 91 years. And he's the third England spinner to take a Pfeiffer on debut under Ben Stokes. First, both Jaiswell and Gill in the same over, both via sharp catches by Ollie Pope under the lid. Then the big one, Rohit Sharma with one that slid on with the arm. Axel Patel was promoted up to five to break up that string of right-handers. He was next to go for 17. And then after tea, Root and Leach got into the act, but the standout dismissal was surely that of Jadeja, run out sensationally by Ben Stokes. Barrett and Ashwin then resisted admirably in a stand that quickly went from annoying to dangerous, whittling down the target from 112 to just 54 before Hartley bowled Barrett with an absolute beauty and then had Ashwin and then Siraj stumped soon after. A totally insane England win. A first innings deficit of 190. Almost no second innings runs from their middle order heavyweights. Their number one spinner was uh, was nursing an injury for most of the test match. And their debutant, whose first ball went for six, ended up taking seven in the second innings to seal what is right up there with, or maybe on top of any other win in the Baz Ball era. 
Ben, as you said, towards the end, who'd have had a shootout between Ollie Pope and Tom Hartley for the player of the match award after day one. I mean, even by England standards, a totally insane result. Um, that stat, I couldn't I couldn't believe it because they, they mentioned it a few times in the commentary that it's the first time that a team has won with a more than a 100-run deficit in India. But when they actually got the numbers up, mm. it's 65. Yeah. So it's, it's better by 135 runs in the history of Test cricket in India. Yeah, and when you say, you know... It- it's up there with the the best wins in the baseball era. It's it's well out clear, I think. And Ben Stokes was saying that at the end. And actually, you're really struggling to think of when was the last time England had a win that kind of comes close to that. Because, you know, we, we kind of had this discussion at the start of the last tour of India when they had that that brilliant win. But that was on a pitch when England had, they had some experience. They'd just been mm. Lanka on two similar surfaces, a flatter wicket that played a little bit more to their strengths, where actually the toss kind of mattered a bit more than it did in in this game not as strong in, in India attack as well yes yeah and uh and at that time I think we were looking back and thinking that okay you're probably going back actually to the, the first test in the West Indies in 1990 which I think has similarities to this in terms of beating the best in the world in their kind of prime conditions okay maybe a team slightly on the way down in in both cases but still like great size in in great areas I think that's as far back as you're going for mm. a, a win that that compares this one so I think has to be the the best win this century and the best mm. under Stokes and I mean Stokes was adamant at the end that this was this was top yeah yeah and it's, it's just it's just because also it's just amazing how how much this team still does actually surprise you like it, yeah. sh- it shouldn't it shouldn't surprise you much it shouldn't be surprising since you know what the, the fourth test of that of that summer when they chased three three eight having been down and out about three different times in that game and having already done it three times in the series uh, before that against New Zealand. Like we know that this team like <laughs> comes back from ridiculous situations again and again, and we've seen it again and again. And we know that they take unusual decisions and those pay off. And yet we're still, you know, debating in the lead up saying, like, oh, I don't know if picking Hartley and Rian Ahmed is the right call. And it, sh- it, it obviously it shouldn't be the right call. Obviously you should <laughs> need to play warm up games. And yet there is like, as much as it's madness, it is, there is a lot of logic that infuses it. Like, uh, we'll, I guess we'll talk a lot about Hartley and, it's not, I don't want to, you know, reduce him just to that release height thing. But you can see why they look at that because you can see how that has such an impact. Like when it comes to a day like today, the, sh- the balls that are a bit shorter have the might just keep so low that you can't attack them. And if you're taller, the balls that are fuller have, you have kind of a bit more margin there because they could bounce that bit more. So it mm. totally makes sense that it could work. And they have, you know, that that's in a way an anti-basketball pick. It's a very data-driven pick and it's and it's completely paid off. And again, not playing those warm-up games We've heard from Ollie Robinson in the you know the pre-test podcast about what they did there. They went and played on those absolutely ragging surfaces and said to the batters, "You can't complain. You, you'll get hit. You'll do sweep shots and you'll get out, and that's fine because you can't complain. You have to get used to it." And we saw the benefits of that through that first innings as well. And they got a lot of stick for for that decision as well. So I mean, they will be sitting there feeling very, very, very content with themselves, and they mm. and they have every right to because this is a an absolutely miraculous win that has been it's been made with Root making 31 runs of the game it was England's worst player pretty much and they, <laughs> they pulled off their best ever win he bowled win. right first innings that's, that's true that's true yeah Wood, Wood was their worst player all, all due respect to Wood and he, and he bowled well in the second <laughs> he bowled very well, well so. actually today yeah no totally mad on, on so many levels I thought Hartley bowled absolutely brilliantly today I mean I was looking at his career earlier today 
um, one first-class fifer before today. I think only one fourfer. Um, so often he sort of performed a holding role for Lancashire last year. He averaged 44 in the county championship. Obviously, it didn't go that well for him in the first innings. Expensive on the first day. But even on the second day where he was slightly more economical, his control wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, what went so well for him in this innings? Why, why did it change? Well, and again, partly this is just down to the fact that Tom Hartley is a, he, he is a very talented player bowler and they have seen something in him and that is innate to him we shouldn't you know avoid giving him credit it's not just the conditions and it's not just how he was backed it mm. is because well, he's some very good spinners on show in the last couple of days and it's Hartley who's emerged with the seven foot exactly I mean he has comprehensively outbowled Ravindra Jadeja in this test who is you know his, his record stands up with the great left arm spinners in the game's history H- having said that I think you like again you have to give Ben Stokes a lot of credit for how he handled Hartley on that on that first evening, and he spoke about it at the end of the at the end of the game. You know, he, he those first three overs, he goes for more more than thirty runs, hit for two six in that first over, and uh, and he doesn't put him out of the attack. And he says, "Well, you know, I've picked this guy. I've picked this guy because I back him. I can't not back him now." Mm. And Hartley bowled a little bit better from that point onwards in that innings, a little bit better on day two, and now into day four, he you know bowled magnificently. And and, mm. and Stokes's handling of of spin is, is extraordinary. Like yeah. you were the one who picked out that stat about three debutants now who have taken five as a spinners under Stokes. I think when people talk about basball, that term, there's a lot that's lost in that term mm. and isn't encapsulated by it. I think one, almost the emotional it- intelligence to sort of realise, as he said at the end of the play, that this is a really long test. This is a really long tour. I'm going to need Tom Hartley. I need to make sure, regardless of what happens for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to need Tom Hartley. So to stick to that and be clear-minded enough um, to, to understand that in the heat of the moment when he's going at sevens is A, really impressive. And then number two, and again, Stokes alluded to this at the end of play, Stokes is a very good reader of cricket matches. Mm. Um, he said that he was looking at what Rohit Sharma was doing as captain, how he was managing the two left-arm spinners and learning from the fields that he was setting. And actually, I thought today England's fields were much, much more conservative than they have generally been. There are times where I was sort of screaming at the TVs, like get another catcher in. Um, there were times on day two when Hartley was quite expensive, but the fields were really attacking. So Hartley was bowling pretty much with no one straight on the leg side. He had someone at sort of short mid-wicket, short, silly mid-on-ish. And if he bowled full, it was very easy for right-handers to just knock it into that gap and normally picked up four. Today, there's much, much more cover. So if Hartley erred in length, it, it went for one rather than, rather than two, or, two or four. And that was something that Stokes, I think, learned over the test match that there are different ways to be attacking and you can be attacking in different ways with different bowlers. Yeah, but but he has done that before as well, I think. And, and actually, I think it's not a case of all-out attack. It's a case of all-out commitment to the exactly. plan that, you're, that yeah. you're going with. And, yeah. and, we, and we have seen that. I mean, actually in a way, a, a bit of a defining feature of some of those games when England had those crazy comeback chases. They started in the third innings when England were pretty content to sit in and kind of put the game on hold and say, okay, you do some some running here. And teams mm. would think like, oh, actually, how many do we need to make here? And then get themselves in a bit of a muddle and leave England enough that's a total that looked like it should be enough, but wasn't definitely too much. And then England would go and do it. And you saw, you saw it in Pakistan last year as well. That, that first test, it wasn't as if England you know, uh, came out and, and blew Pakistan away in that first innings with, with brilliant bowling. They just, they were just content to, to sit in. They'd scored quickly enough that they could kind of wait till the wickets came to them. And and again, that was the case here that they like, you know, fewer runs to defend, but you also know that the pitch is going to do enough to, to get you some wickets. So if you can ensure that 
not they're not scoring runs freely in between times then it's you know it's kind of a classic way to win a test and subcontinent you wait for 10 balls to do something having got far enough ahead in the game but mm. it's one thing saying it and another thing believing in it totally to do it which is uh which is what they managed to do so brilliantly i think and just a word for rob key as well because it was really brave to go for hartley mm-hmm. and joe bashir um i've talked a lot about how i thought the decision to have hartley over dawson who had such a good summer was probably the wrong one and it was perhaps naive in, in terms of thinking that only one type of spinner can succeed in india etc but it was it's a brave call that, that has worked and actually if you look at the brave decisions that england have made in the last two years under Key's ultimate leadership, they by and large got them right. I know that people would quibble about Bairstow versus Folks during the Ashes, but that was a really difficult call. Sort of, you know, whatever way they went, they were going to get criticism for it. But in terms of like the player identification, I think they've been really good. Um, ben Duckett was not anyone's idea of, an, of a test match opening batter. He p- predominantly bats at three or four for knots. Um, he def- his style of batting is definitely not that of a normal test match opener. And he's, he's now had success basically in every series he's, he's played in. And now Hartley to come in game one. Um, you know, there's clearly thinking behind him coming in. And then also there's actually decent preparation. These spinners spent a lot of time in the UAE this winter. Mm-hmm. Um, Hartley and Bashir would have been there before Christmas and they would have gone there after Christmas. So um, he deserves a lot of credit because England have been in positions before where the spinners could potentially win them the game towards the end of the game and, and not quite um, managed it. Um, Neil asks, guys, I can't wait for your podcast off that today. I stayed awake after nights to watch it um, all. So I think that explains me being a bit emotional. What a comeback. Anyway, from the presentation, Rohit Sharma must win the award for the most unbasable statement ever when he said, after our first innings and their first innings, I thought we were very much in the game. Um, <laughs> well spotted. India were really passive at points in this test match. Um, a lot of people are unhappy with Sharma's captaincy and they've gone on a, a little run here, which is sort of unusual for them. They lost in South Africa. Um, they also lost a, a game towards the end of the Australia series last year. So it's two out of three defeats at home, isn't it? Yeah. Having, you know, having two defeats in 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think India could have done differently um, overall in the test match, but also today? Um, well, let's, let's start with overall because in a way... Th- if they lost it today, I almost think that they lost it in the morning session. I mean, actually batting on this pitch, chasing 220 was always going to be tough. They did did okay to get up to where they were. They, there was a bit of proactivity today in terms of promoting Akshar Patel didn't, didn't quite come off. You could say they could have done a little bit more in terms of, um, uh, I don't know, a bit, bit, try, trying to exert a, a bit of pressure back, but that could also have worked into England's hands. I mean, we saw in the first innings that... Uh, they were there where putting pressure back actually helped England because they mm. would try and hit sixes and get caught in the boundary. And in some ways, I know they made what they made over 400 in that first innings. That's almost the bigger missed opportunity in some yeah, ways. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Me and Phil were saying this after day two that it felt like India lost left a lot of runs out there. Yeah, I mean, eight of the top nine get to 20, three of them get to 80. Like you should be making 550 and putting the game to bed there. And they and they didn't do that. There was just and and you know, this this is something that England have managed to do at times is to just just not quite be killed off and hang on hang on long enough mm. but that that is an area they'll look at and then we talked about this yesterday but um I guess it's with that Pope innings I mean it's you know it is Stokes called it the best innings in England batters ever played in the subcontinent he might well be right so you know sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say well played mm. 
could have done a little bit more to, to cut off those scoring options, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously Pope was brilliant square of the wicket, but I think there were a lot of times where he could just drop it for one. And as a result, there was never any prolonged period of pressure on him when I think Pope, Pope was playing well enough that it was understandable to have a, men, have a few men back, but he had so many men back that at times he didn't have to work very hard for his runs. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think he could have been more aggressive at points during during Pope's innings. I, I thought with the bat, they also almost froze today. Yeah, Because Hartley didn't necessarily bowl that badly on the first day. Jaiswal just, it was a premeditated decision to attack him from ball one. Jaiswal didn't do that today. The other attacking India player against Bin Shreyas Ayer batted quite tentatively. He didn't really look to, to take the attack to England. And as a result, Hartley in particular was just allowed to bowl. He was allowed to get into that rhythm and no one really tried to disrupt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if you look, I think that that Stokes run out was the sort of the, you know, the, the, that's the picture perfect moment mm. of the day. But that it's that first wicket that is so key, isn't it? With how Hartley had gone against left-handers in general and against Jais from that first innings. And they'd started pretty well scoring at fours for the first or just under four for mm. the first uh, 12 overs or so. Um, and you think if if this goes on, actually... Even if you start, if you take a few there, then there's enough that they can, or not enough runs left that you can probably knock them off. But Hartley gets him and gets him in it in a proper way to those two first innings wickets, but they were caught on the boundary. This was a clever piece of bowling. Jaiswal coming down the track, Hartley pulling that length back mm. a little bit, gives the catch to Pope, then gets the other one in the same over, and all of a sudden Hartley is he's a test match bowler from that point yeah. onwards. Uh, and also, he gets Rohit with that ball that, that the skids on as well. That was brilliant. Yeah, and and Pope's uh, Stokes' fielding was that that bit of fielding was exceptional. But also Pope is a, a marvel at, at, at mm. close into the bat and has done this a few times. It was that catch against New Zealand that was so good it was almost illegal because he was uh, maybe on the pitch at the point of uh, at the point of contact with the bat. And folks who had you know actually not had a dismissal in the game until uh, the the penultimate stumping, um, and you know. He, I think he still kept well, but there are a few sort of misses that you would, if you're picking a guy for his keeping, those are going to be focused on mm. that bit more. And then those two stumpings were difficult, especially the first one, and so important because India were getting close. England did a lot of things, a lot of things right there. But yeah, that that first that that first wicket just made it feel like, oh wait, hang on, aggression is going to struggle as well. I think. Mm. Um, I wonder how England batted this morning because they not far off doubled their lead. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I, th- I think, it, again, a lot of this stuff we say it's new and, and actually, then you think back, so actually maybe this has happened before because I think it m- must have been an Andy Flower thing that he'd talk about, um, you, you wanted from your 8, 9, 10, 11 partnerships of 40, 30, 20 and 10 and then you had 100 runs to your lead if you got a set batter there. And it kind of felt a bit like that. It was just like, let's just kind of, let, let's just take our time here. Like we're all right. We, Hartley we, sets up very well for number nine. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, and 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 that's, you know, that's part of the reason why he's, played games of crickets mm. for Lanks over Matt Parkson over the years and 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 yeah and, and and again it was he did play some big shots but then also as it, it was just it was just he, he just batted mm. sensibly and normally it wasn't like he was sticking around for Ollie Pope and it wasn't like he was trying to whack quick runs and I think we actually talked about this earlier that so much of the battle on spinning wickets is mental because of how those balls that spin loads can get in your head but sometimes those balls if, if if they are on the right line and in the right area, they are basically unplayable if a ball shoots low and turns and it's on the stumps. Like 
you know, Don Bradman isn't hitting those sometimes. But if, because they're so hard to hit though, if they are not in that precise area, then they just miss your bat and then mm. and then you're fine. So actually, if you can put them out of your head and know what your scoring areas are and know what risks you can take, then actually, like, you can, you have sort of, you know, you kind of sit in rear and arm and surviving the exact same number of balls. It's like, a, you know, you have kind of like a shelf life out there and you, and you make the most of it while you're out there. Mm. And they, they do that exceptionally. Yeah, also, I, on, on Hartley's spell again, I think that little burst where he got those three wickets up top was so crucial because I think we saw over the last two innings of this test match how much easier it was to bat when the ball got soft and got got old it still turned loads but the pitch was so slow that Mm. when the hardness from the ball went the turn was slow enough that players could react to any turn there was or if there was any inconsistent bounce so to get those wickets with the new ball I think was much more crucial than we perhaps realized at the time and actually I think batting conditions were, were were reasonably okay. There was the odd ball that shot low, the odd ball that spit. But I think, as you say, often those extreme balls aren't that threatening because they they, they veer away from um, the, the 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 stumps. Yeah, Le- Leach was actually wider at one point because of how much yeah. one was turning. So it's, it's a bit harsh, but I guess what else can you do as yeah. an umpire? Um, but in the end, Pope finishes on 196 and, and Stoke says that's probably the best innings ever played by an Englishman. In Asia and Root yesterday, I thought, you know, he's probably the man most qualified to make statements on how good innings are in Asia. I thought he did a really good job of explaining why it was so good and how crafting those sort of innings is so difficult because you've got to make judgments, mini judgments all the time. Mm. And you've got to get every single one of them absolutely right. And then you've got to have the technical skill to make it work. Um, you know, you've got to, you've got to judge length. You said yesterday how Pope was so clear in, uh, is he advancing down the pitch? Is he playing forward? Is he going back? He was not once in that innings of 196 caught in two mines. Mm. Um, he was, he was v- v- brilliant yesterday, obviously, but also very good today. Yeah. And, you know, I was reminded actually of um, our pre-series chat with, with Nick Compton. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and how he talked about what it was like batting in the other end, the other end with Alistair Cook and how, you knew as soon as the ball was delivered, if you saw the line and the length, you, you, you could tell what Cook was going to do. He had like almost like a pre-programmed response yeah. to it. And it was that clarity that allowed him to have such success on that 2012 tour. And there was there, there was shades of that, obviously in a, in a very different sort of mm. way. But it was, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and again, there was no panic this morning. I mean, I mean, also, you know, India have dominated the six count in this test. <laughs> Ollie Pope has not hit a, a single six in that innings. Um, because, you know, it wasn't, you know, what we've come to associate or what some people associate with basketball of this of this all out attack. It was just a, a sensible, short, attacking, mm. aggressive at times, but not without method test innings. I thought Kevin Peterson made an interesting point on commentary in that it is much easier for England to play this way and be brave and do things new than it is for India, where there's so much more pressure. The knives are out. There are so many... Um, authoritative voices who have things to say and actually carry a bit more weight than authoritative voices in the UK. Obviously, there have been elements of the, of the UK press that um, is not not quite wanting Basball to fail, but have, have been sceptical around it. But there's, there's broadly support around what England are trying to do. People understand the context. Where it is much harder for India with, the, with all the pressure around them, 1.2 billion people for whom it's their number one sport, um, it's harder to be brave. Do, yeah. you, do you think that's do you think that's fair? Because I, I you know, look at you, you, you describe England basically play, players playing their natural way, playing in ways that enable them to succeed. With JSWAL and, and Aya today, I just thought, you know, JSWAL striking at forty two, Aya striking at forty two as well. They are veering away from what works 
for them almost out of fear of what could go wrong and what the reaction might be. They don't want to be out caught on the fence again. You could tell almost that the way in which Indian players got out yesterday, or sorry, in the first innings, affected how they batted in the second. Yeah. and, and there's also, Sorry, because there's always going to be a ball with their name on. Yeah. And and you, and you I guess, you know, part of that is there's, there's not much India can do about that because part of that is you go back to the origins of the Stokes McCullum era and taking over with you know one test win in, in so 17 that's what they need like yeah so, yeah exactly but but it, it, it does in some ways make it easier to, to you know to to get buying for something new because you know you're not having success with mm. the previous thing if, if india were to go away from what they were doing and uh and it was to go even even worse for them mm. then there there would be grounds for criticism in some ways because it's like well what we were doing was was working to an extent what england was doing was so totally uh, clearly not working that you have yeah. the freedom and then also you then have the early success that then allows you to to buy that that later on I still don't think England fans have forgotten that one win in 17 stretch that was so miserable yeah uh, but everyone everyone time. remembers the, the one win before that run which was actually going one nil up <laughs> yeah, in India so true, true, true. could well be 4-1 in, in a few weeks time uh, yeah, Peter Ross yeah. I was wondering why Australia sweeping everything last year in India didn't work and saw them criticised yet seemed to be the right strategy for England yesterday. I think it's just because of that's that's the way in which these guys attack spin, particularly Duckett and Pope were the two most frequent uh, sweepers. It felt last year when Australia tried that in the first test match as if that was a sort of a diktat from up high that this is what we as a team are going to do. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really take into consideration how each individual is more most likely to score run. Different players have different strengths. Whereas England, it was very much... You know, um, Crawley, for example, wasn't one sweeping loads. Um, Hartley didn't sweep loads. Rahan Ahmed didn't sleep, sweep loads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I think the reverse sweep and the sweeper—they are different shots. I know that they—they—they uh, <laughs> they, they sound similar. They—they they sort of look similar, but they—they they do come with sort of different angles and different elements of risk. Mm. And and also as we've talked about, it was uh, it was it was that every player was sweeping, but it was also how regularly they were sweeping as well it was it was almost like a, a sweeper ball close to at times whereas mm. as we've talked about Pope was he was judicious with it I mean he he used it a lot but he had the triggers that meant okay I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna go for this here so I, I think I think it's aspect of those and also you know Australia had worked out pretty well by the end you know winning that penultimate test having the better of that of that final test of the series mm. um it's you know in, in England have taken the right lessons from from how they went as well with you know with thinking like okay actually experienced spinners can do well and you might and you, you kind of you do you do need a game plan to score runs i think and australia yeah. just happened to maybe have t- slightly too prescriptive a one and slightly the wrong one in that first test but it's not it's not as if the the thinking behind uh the sweeps jastry overall or we need a strategy is is, is wrong mm. necessarily because it is so early in a challenge you can't just say to a guy go out and do this without guidance in the way that you can somewhere else because he's grown up in all those conditions mm. because they haven't done that. So yeah, it, it's understandable to, to try and it just didn't have to work for them, I guess. Mm. Um, without further ado, we've reached the part of the pod where we have to make a decision of who should be rewarded the Charles Tirrett moment of the test. Our friends at Charles Tirrett are no strangers to helping men make difficult decisions when it comes to their wardrobe. Let's be honest, sometimes we can all do with a bit of direction when it comes to what outfit we need for that smart casual dress code. So check out charlestirrett.com or visit one of their stores and they'll be able to help you look the part with their wide selection of shirts, trousers, blazers and knitwear. Don't forget to use the code SCORE to get our special wisdom discount of 20% off their full collection. Ben, it's got to be that run out 
from Ben Stokes to get Ravindra Jadeja. Ben Stokes has produced several magical moments in the field over the years for England. That genuinely might be top. He wasn't even looking for the stumps. Yeah, well, it, it, and I, I don't know if it's quite as good as some of the other great runner efforts. But I guess it deserves to be in the conversation. But it had elements of, of lots of them. There's the yeah. famous Amy de Villiers one where he's sort of rolling and not looking and, and lobs it and, it and it strikes true. And then there's the Bavuma one where he sprints in and what's amazing is how quickly he gathers and, mm. and releases. And you had both of those with uh, with this. And I think just summed up with the facts that Stokes had no idea whether it was whether it was out or not. And there's a great picture of all the um, all the England fielders sort of huddling and Duckett, he must have had the prime position in the field. It's yeah, just... Doc- Duckett was was in a better place than the umpire. Yeah, and it's just there with his with his finger raised yeah. like that. And then you, you still obviously have to have to wait for the com- confirmation. And also, you know, such a massive uh, uh, wicket as well. That 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 of Jadeja, he batted so nicely in the first innings and, and has that kind of, um, uh, he's got that kind of fighter instinct mm. that could have been so crucial, I think, especially at that point with the the after the the wicket of of Jadeja, I think I think there was much much less sharp turn mm-hmm. as we saw by that partnership with Ashwin and Barrett. They were both reasonably comfortable. You know, it was ominous for for a period when it was only fifty odd to win. You you look at those two and, and they weren't really seriously tested for for a while, and it actually it needed a moment of magic from Tom Hartley to to, to break that partnership. Mm. Um, we talked a bit about India already. One more question. What do you think they do in terms of changes to the 11, but also in terms of conditions? Because this was very different to the Chennai pitch in, in 2021. And that was a flat pitch. Um, obviously helped that England batted first, then it obviously helped that England batted first here. But that was a more traditional pitch that slowly disintegrated over four days. This one, if you bowl it in the right areas, you got significant purchase from day one. By the way, I thought this pitch was brilliant. Mm. Um, I like pitches where you can show off how good a bowler you are and how good a batter you are. And this was that mm-hmm. pretty much throughout. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, in terms of the 11, first of all, they might have a, an enforced change to make with Jadeja, mm. possibly uh, possibly injured. They Dravid says that he hasn't spoken to Fizz yet, so we don't know, but it didn't look great. And there's just sort of bad whispers around that. So so we'll see there. And that would, that would be a really tough decision because, you know, he balances that 11 so well and you left either bringing in maybe Kuldeep Yadav for him but then you've got KS Barrett at, at what at number six. number 6 so you've you've got a decent 6 7 8 but they're all they're not all a place too high but you've kind of it's, it's kind of like having three sevens maybe one to 7.5 mm. it's 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 not a strong batter lineup or you bring mm. in a a batter and then you 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 know you Siraj barely bowled in this test you'd have to bowl a lot more mm. uh if they did that so that that's tricky I, in terms of the pitch i don't know i mean I kind of think that they should just back themselves. Like, firstly, it takes a bit of humility to think that, okay, this England team is a good cricket team mm. and we are not quite as good as we have been at times in our dominant era. So we might lose the odd game here and there, but we were still close to winning this one having got quite a lot wrong. Mm. And if we just play better, we might well win three of the next four or you know or, or two of the next four and mm. and draw one on draw a couple or something and i kind of like that that i, I personally that that's what they should do but i would not be at all surprised if they were to like make a pitch that turns even more than than this one did and then to bring in Kuldeep yadav who you know and then have like a, an england-like attack in terms of you know just bumrah and then four spinners and say like 
Let, let's see what you've got now. England. They might do that. And I, if I would, I think that's almost the slightly more likely thing they do, that they would make the pitches more extreme. But I think the best thing to do from a cricket point of view would just be to, to they are still a, a very good cricket team who came very close to winning a game they were not close to their best in mm. and just bat themselves to, to to win three tests against an England side, which as good as this was, you know, the, these these were anomalous performances from from two players and hopefully mm. they will be repeated and you know there's that there's there is a chance that is the case but mm. you know yeah and, and if they do them then well played england i think yeah i guess, I guess I'd, I'd say though that um leach was injured mm. leach was unable to bowl at his at his best had leach been fit the margin of victory i think would have been greater for england and as well as hartley bowling he was genuinely brilliant today um he's not he's not ashwin you know ashwin on um, better batting wickets can sh- use that additional mastery to prize out wickets that Hartley and, and Leach at the stages they're at at the moment are sort of unable to do. So mm-hmm. I think that the, the more it turns, the more England come into it. Yeah, almost. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, although I know India are also wary of what happens if it's flat because of, of England's scoring rate. I think one of the interesting things of this series will be how... India size up England in the same way that Stokes were talking about how he learned from watching India in the field. I'm really interested to see, in to, in particular Ashwin, how he responds to how England go about things. How does he respond to going at four and a half, five runs and over? Because he's one of the great mo- uh, thinkers in the in the modern game, and he's not going to just do the same thing five tests in a row. I'm sure mm-hmm. India will come prepared for the second test match, which only starts in a few days, by the way. Well, the, um, that, with, with, with new ideas and and that second test, I mean. Silly thing to say because it's five six test series, so all the games are big. But that is absolutely massive because, uh, assuming it's not a draw, obviously if England win two 0 up, uh, very very hard to to come back from that as as we've seen. But if if India win, you look at actually maybe Cody to come back, Shami mm, quite possibly Shami to come back, and then actually you've got it's one one, India, you know, having won the previous game, they they go back to being mm. heavy favourites again. So that 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 game is massive and. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and you, you made the point as well that India really missed not just Kohli's runs, but his sort of energy in the mm, field. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think I think I think that was that that was clear. I mean, it was when when the ball was it was in the yeah when when the ball was spinning past the bat. If Kohli was there, and also if Pant was there as well, actually, mm. you would have you know these these whoops and these cheers, and you know it would feel like like the walls were closing in, kind of thing. Uh, when the ball spun past the bat in this innings, it just felt like India would be like, oh, another time it didn't hit the edge. And when the ball kept low and bowled on, it's like, oh, that's going to be a bit tough when we come out to bat. It didn't at all feel, you know, that th- there there are ways to put to put pressure on that aren't just, you know, bowling and field yeah. placements. And and they did miss a bit of that because the ball did beat the bat a fair amount in the innings, but England were able to shrug off. And partly that's to England's credit, but partly India could have done more to, you know, make those sort of mental demons open a bit more, I think. Yeah. Well, let's head to Mark Butcher to hear what he thought about that test match. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. 
Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. But Ben Stokes said that was uh, the best win yet of his era as captain. Um, that, that is up there, not just from his era, but all eras. Um, right. So this has to come off because that is just utterly staggering. It's unbelievable in the in the lexicon of unbelievable performances um, and uh, turnarounds and um, wins against the head under Ben Stokes. That is that that beats the lot. Um, and I I, I heartily apologise to to the team to the selectors. Uh, about the preparation um, to Ben, to Baz, to Rob Key, to everybody for for doubting for a second that they weren't doing the right thing. Um, that's just, it's unbelievable. You know, mm. people think that when we sit and do these things, we kind of, we're gleeful about sort of, you know, things when they go wrong for England and they, and they couldn't be further from the truth. You kind of, you know, you look at things logically um, and you think, well, it's India, they're brilliant, pictures are going to turn. England have got no, you know, no price with the sort of, you know, the the lack of experience they've got, the lack of quality they've got in terms of the bowling attack up against the the Indians um, in their own conditions. And what they've done there is just, it's staggering. Absolutely mm. staggering. Ollie Pope's knock was staggering. Um, a lot of people um, who've played a lot of cricket in India have, have labelled it as one of the best ever by a visiting player. Mm. I guess what, what is so... Rohit, mock- Rohit knows a thing or two about great innings in you know, anywhere in the world, and he and he says he can't remember a better one. Yeah, I think Dravid as well was was bigging it up as 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 was Root, obviously. Um, I guess we've talked a lot about Pope over the years in, in terms of someone. You know, we, he he wasn't able to always transfer what he was doing for Surrey to England. There's mm. a lot of focus on some of the things he might not be doing right. He's always had the frenetic starts. There was a whole uh, period where he batting on off stump, and that wasn't really working for him. But we sort mm. of forget sometimes just how incredibly talented. He is um, India and, and incredibly young. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's only he's mm. only just turned turned twenty six, and he's played something like forty Test matches. Um, there's mm. a period today when it looked as if India had watched Pope bat, and Rohit was playing more reverse sweeps than he was in the first innings, for example. They were trying to do what Pope did, but couldn't quite replicate it. What? What? I guess mm. what? What is the challenge for an English batter going over to India on, on the on the turning pitches in particular? What do you have to? face that you just don't in England yeah all right I mean the the, the challenge the, the way we used to look at it was the t- first 20 balls was the biggest challenge you know you got men around the bat the ball's turning you kind of you know walking out into the middle under those circumstances can can kind of be very very daunting and also just 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 incredibly technically difficult 
um, you know, pick up the length right to, to judge how much it's turning, to, to judge, um, you know, it, exactly how you're going to survive those first 15, 20 balls. And we always just used to talk about that. But then the, the, the actually the biggest challenge and the thing that, that um, you know, Ben and, and this era have looked at more than anything, which of course is the most important thing you can possibly think about, is how you score. Um you know how do how do you keep the scoreboard moving? How do you stop them from bowling endless maidens at you? How do you stop them from bringing ever more um, close fielders in? And how do you keep the scoreboard moving forward? Now, you know I'm guessing that that what happened when they went to to Abu Dhabi on their on their camp was that that, that they spoke about that and they worked endlessly on ways of scoring runs. Um, you know it's it's a uh, it, it sounds when you say it out loud, it sounds like, well, why the hell wasn't everybody else doing that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but kind of, you know, that that's kind of it. So they worked yeah. out that sweeping is going to be their best option. Become unbelievably good at it. Um, one thing that you can't do um, when you're playing practice matches, for example, is you can't really sort of work on something like that, mess it up a hundred times, and then get it right three hundred times. Because of course, if you're you're playing for your wicket. You get out, you're out, and and then it's back to the net. So, you know, th- there are – they've identified ways of being able to put them off their game and being able to stop them from crowding the bat and being able to stop them from building pressure. Um, in the first innings, it didn't quite work out, and the second innings po- plays an absolute worldie, mm-hmm. um, you know, when when it ought to have been more difficult than it was first time round. And and it ends up being the, the difference difference in the game. And, and you know – India, India, as I think we said in the in the podcast leading up to the Test series, that India's batters have struggled in the conditions that they've been forced to play in as well. Um, and so it's no surprise that they kind of saw that and went, "Ah, oh, hang on a second, now, that, this might be a way. This might be a way of doing it." But of course, they wouldn't have practiced it as as sort of diligently and with as much um, sort of conviction that that was the right thing to do as England. So trying to start doing something like that halfway through a test match is not going to be quite as successful as people who mm. kind of set their minds to it in the, in the lead up. Mm. Do you think we almost underappreciate the, the attacking talent that English cricket has um, in, in batting at the moment? I mean, the, the array of reverse sweeps that Duckett and Pope are able to mm. unveil. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we know, we know what Root, Stokes and Bairstow can do. But, you know, in India did try to do similar at points during this test match, but were actually unable to replicate um, the consistency with which they could execute um, the, the attacking shots. Yeah, but, and and because again, it's it's difficult to kind of explain. I think it's basically because it, it that's it goes against the grain of sort of classical batting, I suppose. But then, if you're if you're playing in conditions that are not sort of classical conditions, they're not conditions that are. And I don't. I'm not using the word fair in as if to say you know it's unfair what how India prepare pitches or anything. It's not that. It's just fair meaning. You know, you, you've got a you've got a better than average chance of being able to go out there and play with a straight bat and survive. And if the ball's turning that far, you've got to you've got to figure out something else, and you've got to believe in it. And you've got to back it. And you know, it's just I, I'll do it again. In just it, it's just hats off to having that total conviction that what you're doing is the right thing to do, um, and then making it work in in such fabulous style. Um, it's nearly two years since Stokes. McCullum and, and Key came in and one thing that always surprises me even though I've seen it before now is how quickly games change um you feel mm. it, it looks like one team is totally in charge and then within a session the whole complexion of the game completely changes if you were captaining against 
England, when they get on one of these moods, um, like Pope on day three, for example, what would you mm. do differently to what we've generally seen? There were points in this test match, I felt, when when Pope was properly in and he sort of... He, what I thought was really impressive is he went up and down the gears depending on what was, what was coming towards him. And when he went yeah. down um, the gears... Rohit gave him lots of easy singles. And I wonder if that's yeah. something potentially that, you know, when, when Pope sort of earns um, Rohit taking away close fielders and, and earns fielders going back on the rope, do you think yeah. captains should almost be braver against England when they go on these on these roles? Put it this way, the way, the way to counter it is to kind of do exactly the, to do the same thing. So if, 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 they do, if they come back to you a little bit or they allow you to apply some pressure, then, then attack harder. And, and if it doesn't work, then, then go back. It's like tides going in and out. Um, I, I, guess, I guess so. And that, that's it's overly simplistic because what Rohit and India would have banked upon was that England wouldn't have the the skill or the temperament to kind of get to go to row back once they'd gain the advantage. They would have imagined that what would happen was that they would they'd gain an advantage, they'd get the, the close infielders out, would can continue to attack exactly the same way and then let you back in by giving giving their wickets away. And that's not that isn't what happened. So under those circumstances, um you know, I remember captaining the game many, many moons ago where where it seemed as though the opposition was so far in front that you know you, you're sort of sitting back and waiting for them to declare, and I thought, well, it makes no difference. They, they, they it already seems like they've got too many. Sod it. We'll just put everyone around the bat, um, and you know, hopefully get off the field faster. Um, and unbelievably, you know, it was, it was like, there's no, what else are you going to do? They're already too far away. You put everyone around the bat in a situation where the opposition is totally on top and, and bowl them out in no time. Ian Ward and Jimmy uh, and Jimmy um, Ormond. Saw us home chasing four hundred and twenty or something in the final. Won the game. It was just, mm. it was bizarre. It was incredible how, how just by going, I know you're on top, but we're going to, we're now going to attack you rather than defend. Sort of change the, change the entire, um, uh, the entire flow of the game. Mm. But it, it's not something you see. You don't see it in Test match cricket very often. You don't find scenarios whereby, um, you know, the team that should be bossing the game is kind of being pushed around, and so they, they, they imagine as I think everybody else would have done. Well, okay, well, if we sit back for a little while, England will slug it, slug it up in the air and we'll, mm. you know, we'll roll them over and win the game, which is what makes Pope's inning so, so special, you know, kind of batsmanship of the highest quality. Mm. Um, it sort of went under the radar a little bit because of how extraordinary Shoaib Bashir's call-up was, but Tom Hartley's call-up was extraordinary in its own way. He'd only played 20 first-class games, had an mm. okay, but not extraordinary um, 2023 with the Red Bull um, for him to get selected um, after how difficult his first two days were with the ball and then to produce that on the final day is an extraordinary performance. Rob, Rob Key and his selectors have, have made a lot of decisions um, and got the calls right since they came in. You know, you think back to Duckett yeah. um, coming in as an opener, sticking with Crawley, bringing in uh, Tongue last summer, doing well straight away and, and now, now Hartley now. Um, yeah, that that is actually one of the key reasons to, to the success under these guys. Yeah, uh, and and the Hartley the Hartley selection is an interesting one, um, because it, it was it's kind of, it's almost based around sort of what he does for Manchester Regionals and Hundred or for Lancashire in the Blast, pitches that turn a little bit, bowl the ball quickly, um, you know, Axar Patel style or, or Judasia style, I suppose. Um, 
and they thought that if the pitches were going to rag hard as they expected them to, that somebody who had that had the natural ability without having to try and change something when you got there um, would come in very handy given the right set of conditions. And I guess what happened was in the first innings, the, the right set of conditions weren't there and the man's making his debut and he's nervous as all hell and he, and he, he doesn't bowl particularly well. Um, then, the, then the team puts him in a position where they kind of, you know, they got this massive chance on a, on a last day pitch and he does pretty much what they, they expected him to do. Um, they wouldn't have been surprised. Everybody else would have been. I mean, hmm. it's the thing is, it keeps happening. It, it happens so it's happened so often under their under their stewardship with players. Are you just think, well, you know, how does how does that work? Where does that selection come from? Um, or you know, you can see the talent there, but you're just thinking, well, they've got nothing to back it up. You know, how, how are they going to um, uh, fare underneath the, the most stringent pressure? Um, and what happens is they get back to the hill, they have the, the belief of, of a bloke who pulls off blind runouts backhanded. Um, and, uh, you know, they find themselves in, in positions where whereby they're, they're suddenly on top unexpectedly and the opposition absolutely poos themselves about it because you just think, oh my, oh my God, it's happening again. They're doing it again. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just so, so delighted for all of them. Um, you know, that's a that if, if Hartley, if, if he never has another day like that in his, in his test match career, that is a story he will tell forever, um, and be proud of forever. Mm. But you get the feeling that he might have a few more, yeah. I mean, it, it sets up the, the series perfectly, and, and especially with in, India now have gone three home test matches without a win, they've lost two out of their last three. Um, mm. and you know, there are questions over Gill's form, Coley's not back yet. Um, there's a very short turnaround between the first and second test. So England got actually, a, with the momentum they got in the last two days, huge opportunity yeah. to go to go tune it up. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of sort of thinking probably on the Indian side about you know you know do we do we change the conditions a little bit? Do we make it a little bit flatter and kind of perhaps give our our, our more skilled um, performers performers a bit more of a chance and kind of. But then there's also there'd also then be the, the fear that crikey if we if we make it a bit flatter and England decided to go nuts on us then we, then we got a, a problem as well. Um, I, I, there was one thing maybe that we got right in the lead up to all of this, um, and that was that without Kohli, um, that that India's India's batting lineup looked looked gettable. You know, if you got rid of didn't allow Rohit to make big runs, and you kind of felt that there were there wasn't enough um, cold eyed killers in that in in that lineup to kind of. Um, uh, to keep England out if they performed extremely well, mm. and and that turned out to be the case. Um, but basically got everything else wrong, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> just, just on on the on the Indian batting. Um, when you watch them in white ball cricket, you watch the IPL. It looks like the the talent pool is is just endless. You know, another kid mm. comes that you never heard of. He's come from the under nineteens. He instantly looks majestic. He looks like he's ready for international cricket. But the test yeah. top six, top seven has been in a bit of a funk for quite a long time now. What? Why do you think India are struggling to progress clearly, really, really talented players um, to to the test top six? Um, well, I don't underestimate the the pressure that these guys feel when they come in to play for India. I guess you're you're treading in the footsteps of Tendulkar and. Kohli and Gavaska and all the rest of it and, and batsmanship in the way that it should be done or the way that you know that they feel is that is the classical way of playing in India. Um and it's hard, you know, and they also come in, they've also come in 
in a situation where it might be easier to score runs away from home than it is at home, which none of the the illustrious names that I mentioned before have ever had to do. You know, they sort of come in, play on surfaces that were very, um, you know, uh, very recognisable to them and make make big runs immediately. These guys come in and it's ragging square and, and sort of spin bowlers they'd never heard of are, are kind of difficult to play, and that's that's hard. Mm. Um, so you know that, that's that's something that that's something that they kind of brought upon themselves a little bit, I think, um, and something that that um, only the the very best are, are able to kind of weather over a long period of time. So. You know, it'll be it'll be absolutely fascinating to see what happens with the with the surfaces here on in. Um, you know, do they do they go again? You know, go harder, make them spin more. I don't know. Or do they kind of go? Hang on, should we should we see what happens if we try and play some normal cricket against these guys mm. um, and give their inexperienced spinners a bit less of a chance to kind of do what they did to us in this game? Mm. Well, it's only a few days until we find out. Um, cheers for your time, Butch. Catch you catch you next week. Away from Hyderabad at the Gabba today, um, just as Tom Hartley was going about his work, uh, West Indies sealed one of the all-time great Test match wins. It's their first win in Australia for 27 years, their first win against Australia um, anywhere in 21 years. They won by eight runs, um, defending 216 at the Gabba. At the Gabba, the hero by a mile was Shamar Joseph, who only made his debut in the first test of that series, he took seven for 68, uh, bowling a 12 over spell that was only interrupted by the lunch break. A feat made all the more remarkable that less than 24 hours previously, he retired hurt after getting a Mitchell Stark Yorker on the toe. Um, and we were speculating in the office that so new he is to professional cricket is entirely feasible. that He doesn't have um, the top, top, top equipment that is generally given to international players and we've mentioned his story the other day but it is totally remarkable you know he, he played his first, he's 24 years old he's from a village in Guyana that is so remote that it didn't have color tv or the internet until uh, I think six years ago he was working as a security guard two years ago um, and he hadn't played his first game of professional cricket 12 months ago and he's come in he can bowl 90 miles per hour and he's Quite a pure bowler, I'd mm. say, in terms of he just takes the pitch out of the equation. He bowls lots of Yorkers, does good players for pace. And he was the difference. He took seven wickets today. Alzari Joseph took a couple, took a five from the first test match. And not only was it an amazing performance, not only was it an amazing story, um, just the, the scenes at the end were amazing. When he bowls Hazelwood, he goes on an amazing run. King Cricket, go to their website, did a really nice write-up of mm. Uh, the, the the winning moment and how special it was. Um, and, you know, you had Brian Lara on commentary um, shedding tears whilst saying that West Indies cricket stands tall today. We've been written off. Craig Brathwaite gave a very punchy um, interview after the game where he uh, name-checked, what was it, Rodney Hogg? Rodney Hogg, yeah. He said they were weak. Uh, pathetic and hopeless. Pathetic and hopeless and said those are the two words that motivated them. Yeah. Um, you know. And then, and then said, uh, are these muscles big enough for you? Which is just a great line. Uh, well, Flex gives bicep. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing win. It's Australia. Australia don't lose very often at home. You know, to, 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 to do them at the Gabba, and obviously they lost at the Gabba against India yeah. a few years ago. But this is a very strong Australia side. Uh, it is also a West Indies side that is missing the likes of Carl Mayers and Jason Holder, who opted out the tour to play in the ILT20. 
Um, several players in this squad with barely any ex- any experience. Chandler Paul's played fewer than 10 tests. Kirk McKenzie, Athenaise, Kevin Ka- Hodge, Justin Greaves, Kevin Sinclair, Shamar Joseph. That's a lot of names there who haven't played a lot of test cricket. So for them to get a win like this, um, they were 64 for five in the first innings and managed to get up to 311 Um Kept Steve Smith quiet. I mean, Smith actually quietly played an amazing innings today. 71, uh, sorry, 91 not out, opening the batting, carrying his bat for Australia, but not quite being able to get them over the line. An extraordinary scoop shot as well, yeah. just when it seemed like Australia might snatch it. Yeah. Um, uh, incredible win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, the the, the, the England game was, uh, maybe we'll look back on it as, as the better game in some respects, but that winning moment in in the West Indies game, the, the emotion of that was, was like nothing else. Yeah. It was... And yeah, just 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 go and just go and watch that and watch it over and over and over again. Just the way that they're like, cause, oh, you've got to remember that Shamar Joseph. I mean, we, maybe his toe is fractured. We don't know. And at the I mean, point, he was he was limping considerably any time he wasn't sprinting into bolt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, and the other time he wasn't he wasn't limping was when he was sprinting away, having yeah. taken that fun. At that point, he didn't need to run anymore, but he was just doing it because <laughs> of uh of, of how much that. The, the emotion was going the, through. The West Indies players said they didn't know that he was going to take the field until about an hour before play. Well, he he was he wasn't planning to go to the ground. He was talking to the team doctor, and the doctor was like, "Well, at least at least come in and you can and you can support the guys even if you can't bowl." And he comes in and he works some sort mm. of some sort of magic on that toe, and then he and then he bowls like that. And and you're absolutely right about the because uh, yeah, I guess it it was kind of a, a primal, uh, simple kind of fast bowling in terms mm. of it was fast and it was at the stumps, and there were a lot of bold dismissal in those days but you still there was and you got a bit of tap at one point from from Mitchell Stark but there was still the you still have to get it on the right line enough times to be threatening with that sort mm. of pace and you have to have that sort of pace against and actually when you look at that what that West Indies attack could be for that series against England in the summer you add in what J- Jaden Seals was he injured for this yeah, series so you injured. add him back into it and all of a sudden it's a uh, that, good, that is an attack that will cause problems for any batting lineup in the world. Exactly. And and good bowling attacks in some ways more than good batting lineups is what wins you yeah. test matches at times because you can, you know, bat- batters can sort of scratch you up to something and then the bowlers yeah, blow you 100%. away. But if you can't take 20 wickets, you won't be able to. But West Indies have yeah. all of a sudden a very, very good looking bowling attack. 100%. Um, Ian writes into us, I love the podcast and listen to every new episode that is released uh, with the West Indies fa- fantastic win in Australia led by Shamar Joseph and England potentially winning this test match in India do you believe that this will make the world stand up and appreciate what the beauty of test match cricket actually is and reconsider how nations have funding allocated to them it is quite clear that smaller nations cannot sustain regular tests under the current model but surely we can recognize that test cricket is still the pinnacle of emotions when you have won a test match after four or five days of hard graft and toil that has to be something that's worth preserving, doesn't it? Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> we absolutely love our test cricket. Um, obviously, there's a really good tweet, actually, from Barney Ronne, who sort of summed up the ridiculousness of the current situation with test cricket and how um, poorly it's it's financed from, from the wider governing bodies. Here's that tweet. Uh, what a game test cricket is. Cut to the bone, but still a different level to every other format. Its death is a paradigm of dumb consumerism. Money and margins tell you to make a worse product, at the end of which you have money for a while and a worse product forever. Amen to that. Yes. Um, also, if, if there's anyone who's really, really, really rich listening to the podcast, just put some money into Test Cricket. Yeah. Fund, fund the West Indies. I mean, I thought it was quite telling that pretty much as soon as the game was done, Ian Bishop took to Twitter, who was commentating on the game in Brisbane, and he was saying people just need to make sure Joseph has enough money to protect him. Because it's not just... Um, 
it's not just these guys choose to play other formats. For someone as, as fast as Joseph, if he gets worn out by playing in all these leagues because that's the only way for him to make significant money in the game, if that affects his pace, then you lose something special. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be preserved. And at the moment, there's no power for any body within West Indies cricket to do that. So if you are really, really, really rich and you're listening to this, please, please do consider um, investing in Test cricket. I, I'm still amazed that so many people put money into T20 cricket mm. and, you know, another new league springs up and it's no difference. No, There's no obvious difference between that and, and, and the previous league that's just been set up. And no one's done something about Test cricket because when you, when you get a finish like that, it just doesn't really compare to anything else. Yeah, you, you stick, you know have many million into stage and like a proper test world cup maybe that yeah. everything builds into uh and you know and you even had in this game a just a small little act of of self-sabotage in terms of the the ticket prices for today you know set, set, coming in overnight it was uh what 160 runs needed uh eight wickets to win on a weekend and, yeah and 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 they 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 kept and they kept the prices at uh um you know at full price having clearly not sold very many so i was talking to uh, a dad on Twitter just assumed that they would, uh, you know, lower the prices and he'd be able to take his family along and had told his kids, yeah, we're going to go and watch, watch, watch some test cricket. And it was like, oh, actually, we're not going to be able to to afford this. And, you know, in, in England, we saw how great that was in the first mm. Stokes McCullum yeah. summer when they started letting people in for free and then for five quid on the last day. Just if, if that had been the case today, I think that would have, you know, and a bit of a, you know, a marketing push behind yeah. that. You get, you get people in and all of a sudden that is a day that plays out in front of a a massive backdrop whereas as it was as, as, as great as it was to be able to hear the West Indies sort of like yelling and, and, and whooping as, the, yeah. as they took that final wicket you shouldn't be able to hear that and you shouldn't be able to hear one guy in the stands clapping in the bowler every time in you know in a, in a massive stadium like that and mm. yeah you know yeah I mean yeah if, if someone rich is listening first mm. sponsor us <laughs> then uh <laughs> sponsor sponsor test cricket get a uh get something that allows boards to enough money that allows balls to prioritize it match fees for players that allow them to to choose to play it and to have it as a, as a viable career and and have a showpiece event and structure that is befitting of you know the best thing yeah that we've ever made in, in a sporting 100 percent, 100 we're going to just play a short bit of the interview we had with quinoa roach a few months ago because as amazing as today was i don't think we should lose sight of the current predicament for nations such as the West Indies. So this is Roach uh, giving his honest view on where Test cricket is at, not just only in the West Indies, but in the, in the inverted commas, smaller nations. You started playing Test cricket in 2009, now in 2023. How worried are you about the, the state of Test cricket as a, as a man who still thrives at the top of it? Yeah, it's, it's worrying. There's a lot of franchises around the world now. There's a lot of franchises. Cricket all year round. Let's be honest, people are looking after their livelihoods now, so they're chasing dollar, they're chasing money. It's understandable. Cricket is a very short career. If you want to maximize your talents as much as possible, and obviously earn to take care of yourself and your families, I, I can understand why people do that. All the big nations like the Indias, Australias, Englands, they get their 10 to 15 test matches a year. But in terms of the smaller nations, some guys don't think it's feasible. You only play six test matches in a year, that's not good for me. My last test match was, was against India. That was in, what, July? And I'm not playing another test match until January next year. Mm. So that's a long, long layoff. And we're going to Australia, which is a, probably the toughest story we could ever go on. Franchises have taken over, and that's the, that's the fact of it. I have a love for test cricket. I don't know what needs to be done, what what people need to do to um to improve the state of test cricket. But Do you worry that that love might, for future generations of players, 
dwindled a little bit. I think it's gone already. <laughs> it's already honest gone. with you. Yeah. I think it's gone already. I think a lot of youngsters are more into T20 cricket. They, that's where they, they're excited about it. Um, These are young current professionals, do you think? Yeah. yeah. Young current professionals. Well, some of the ones that I know, test cricket isn't, I just say it's not feasible. They, they don't look at it as feasible. And it's bad. It's bad. When I grew up, that's the only thing I knew. Hmm. Obviously, Tony Cricket wasn't big at that time, but it was all about red ball cricket. Now, as you said, the, the ability to play and make a lot more money than you would make playing red ball cricket. I think guys are looking at that more than actually the, the love of the game and obviously what you can achieve in a career and create a legacy. It's all about the franchise. It's more attractive financially, obviously, entertainment-wise. So a lot of younger guys are dwelling hmm. towards the franchise cricket, which is killing test cricket i would say that is everything for today's show cheers ben um cheers for listening along to all the daily shows we'll be back for a, a fatter weekly episode uh, in two or three days time Podcast Network.